Folks, on this great day of Corpus Christi, of the most holy body and blood of Christ, we are to hear, we're to come to understand what this great sacrament is, even a little more than we already do. The, the, this feast, there's a lot of names for it, uh, referring to the Mass, referring to the most holy body and blood of Christ, referring to the blessed sacrament, the, the most blessed sacrament, the Holy Eucharist, Holy Communion, a lot of different names that we give towards towards this great sacrament, the mystery of our faith. Kids, today's a great day for you because, because today, for the first time, you're going to receive the God of the universe, the God who created you, the God who created your dad and mom, the God who created your grandparents, the God who who is like way, way older even than your grandparents. He He created you, and today you're going to receive him in Holy Communion for the first time. Today's a very special day for me because I was born on Corpus Christi. I was born on today's feast day. When I was born in the hospital, mom said, he's going to become a priest. That's what she, she said right away. Mom was a prophet. And what's, what's, <laughs> what's also amazing, uh, the more I look back, so uh, I was ordained a priest yesterday, seven years ago, on the feast day of St. Anthony. As I mentioned just the other evening, my middle name is Anthony. So when dad and mom named me on that first day of my, you know, breathing air, they, they named me Joseph Anthony, not having a clue that I would be ordained a priest on, on Anthony's feast day. So it's a very special day for me. But today, Corpus Christi is going to become a very special day for you too. You'll never have to worry about forgetting when you made your first Holy Communion because you know you made it on Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi feast day moves around from year and year. So some years it's on June 1st, some years it's on June 13th, this year it's on June 14th. It kind of moves around like Easter does because it follows the rhythm of Easter. But if you ever want to go back and find out when you, the date that you made your first communion, just ask Siri on your phones, when was Corpus Christi in 2020? And, and um, they'll, they'll, she'll tell you, or not she, it will tell you. <laughs> so it's, it's a great day. Folks, Jesus can't be any clearer in our gospel reading today that who we're receiving is truly his body and blood. Something that I witnessed as a priest, and I'm guessing you six kids have done this, as you came up with dad and mom, as you were coming forward, what ended up happening was you said, what is it? What is it? I'm guessing that's what you did, right? What is it? The Hebrew word is manna. The Hebrew word for what is it is manna. Back in the Old Testament, before Jesus was born on Christmas Day a long time ago, the people of Israel, all of our ancestors, they were gathered in Egypt. They were slaves to a man by the name of Pharaoh. He was the king there. And Pharaoh would send out people to whip the chosen people, to whip God's people, to the point that they said, we, we want to leave. We just want to be done with this. And then a man by the name of Moses came along. You all know who Moses is, right? He was taught in faith formation. Moses was one, one of God's best friends. Not because Moses was a perfect man, he surely wasn't. But God came to Moses and said to him, I want to send you to Egypt to let my people go. So he goes there, he does all kinds of crazy miracles, and he lets all the people go. They cross through the Red Sea, they go on dry ground as the sea is to their right and to their left. And then they get out into the uh, Arabian desert. Have you ever been to a desert? It's, it's like really dry. So, so think of what it's like in August sometimes in, in North Dakota. 
And then just look out and imagine there's like sand everywhere. Like a few plants maybe on some creek somewhere. But like almost no plants. You put your cows in a desert, they're going to die quickly. That's, that's what a desert is like. Very, very dry. So not a lot of food, not a lot of water, almost no water at all. But you might find a spring here and there. Anyway, when the, the chosen people, when the people of Israel came out of Egypt, when they went into the desert, they were supposed to get brought into the Holy Land, into the land of Israel, but they turned against God. How they turned against God is when they arrived at the Holy Land, they sent in some, some people ahead of them to kind of scout out the land and see what it was like, see if it was a good place to live. And these people went there to scout out the land. They saw these really big giants, these people that were about as tall as the ceiling. That, that's, that's how big uh, the people were. I'm not making this up because if you look at the measuring um, of, of what it talks about in the Bible on multiple places, they were really big. To the point that these people that came back to Moses, they said, we're like grasshoppers to them. We can't go in there. It's, it's a land full of all kinds of good food, but we can't go there. They're going to kill us. We're like grasshoppers. I, I know, I'm guessing you boys have killed a grasshopper every now and then, right? <laughs> Maybe you girls too. Uh, but, but can you imagine that? Imagine being a grasshopper. You, you don't have a chance. Unless God is on your side. God was on the people's side, but they doubted God. And they said to Moses, we can't go into that land. So Moses said, well, guys, for 40 years now, you're going to be traveling in the desert. All of you who didn't want to go into the Holy Land, none of you are going to enter the Holy Land. You're all going to die in the desert. So for 40 years, they're in the desert, they're traveling, they're going around, but they're getting hungry. They need food to eat. They need um, water to drink. And then God sends this crazy food. When they first looked at it, they said it, it, it looked like crystals. But when they put it together, it tasted like bread mixed with honey. And God said to them, this is the bread that I'm going to give to you and and provide for you for a long time. So they asked, what is it? What is it? What is it? We know it today as manna. It doesn't translate um, completely, but we call it manna. So God fed them with manna. Some of the, the other authors of sacred scripture of the Bible said it was the bread of angels. It was the panis angelicus. The panis angelicus, the bread of angels that God sent the special bread. It would only come at night, so as people were sleeping, They'd wake up in the morning and it would be like scattered all across the ground. And they would collect it, they would make bread with it, and they would eat it. It sustained them. In today's gospel, as Jesus talks about giving himself as bread, he says, I am the true bread from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate manna in the desert and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. Whoever eats this special bread that you guys are going to receive today, the blessed sacrament, will live forever. That's crazy. That means that when you die, because we're all going to die um, you know, physically, we're all going to have physical deaths, uh, we still can live after that. Jesus says that whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have life within him. 
Folks, if any of you are doubting that it's really Jesus present in the most blessed sacrament, doubt no longer. There's, there's really no point in doubting. Or you can't be Christian. Because if Jesus is lying about himself, uh, there's, there's no point in, in being Christian. You can't even believe Jesus at all. Which is really a dilemma because it's so clear that Jesus is a historical figure and that he has transformed the world. There are now more than um, so 2 billion Christians in the world. It's truly Jesus. The bread in the Old Testament, they call it bread of angels, the Pontius Angelicus. This bread that we receive now is God himself. God himself. Super precious. Super valuable. I want to I want to um, talk a bit about what we heard in our first reading where Moses was speaking to the people of Israel, the, God's chosen people, they, had just, they were just about to go into the Holy Land now, after all, after the 40 years. And, and Moses says to them, God, therefore, let you be afflicted with hunger and then fed you with manna, a food unknown to you and your fathers, in order to show you that not by bread alone does one live, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. So Moses is saying, it's not by the man alone that you live, but you've got to listen to God's word. You've got like, you to be attentive to when God talks to you. You've got to like, pay attention, he says. Folks, I've been Catholic, well, since, since my baptism. And when we look at statistics today, it is said that about 60 to 70% of Catholics, of people who claim to be Catholics, do not believe that God is present right now in the tabernacle. That's a crazy number, folks. But I think I get it now, because unless we hear God's word, unless we hear God speak to us, we don't understand what's going on. So it's not by bread alone that we live. It's not by the Holy Eucharist alone that we live. But we must first listen to God's word. Yesterday was the feast day of St. Anthony of Padua. I told you kids a story about him, how about the, the mule that came and knelt down before the Blessed Sacrament, something that, that St. Anthony witnessed. Here's another story. Before he was famous, he was just a little Augustinian monk. Uh, a monk, it's a man who has given his life completely to God, and it's really private. He takes a, a number of vows and so forth. Anyway, he lived at the time of St. Francis of Assisi. Do you know who St. Francis is? He's often, sometimes we have statues of him. Pope Francis is named after St. Francis. St. Francis was a great preacher. He started the Franciscans. Anyway, one day when, when, when Anthony came and was listening to St. Francis speak, he was really attracted and he was inspired how St. Francis would send a lot of missionaries into other countries to tell people about God. He then became a Franciscan. One day, there was an ordination where a man becomes a priest. One day, there was an ordination, and it came time for the homily, the homily like I'm giving now. And nobody stood up to give the homily. They, they forgot to pick somebody to give the homily. Here, it's pretty easy. There's only Deacon Dan and I who could give the homily. But when there's like a lot of priests, a lot of bishops all gathered together, you know, a lot of people could... Anybody could, you know, uh, give the homily of the clergy. Nobody gets up to give the homily. 
And then pretty soon, this little Franciscan priest, Anthony, gets up and he gives a homily. Everybody was amazed at the homily that he gave. And then he was told to go all around Italy, all around France, and preach. What he preached about was the Holy Eucharist, what you're going to receive today. That's what he preached on. He preached on the Blessed Sacrament to get people to believe. Folks, unless we're preached to, unless we learn about the Blessed Sacrament, we don't recognize the great gift that we have before us. Last week I gave out this book. There's a number of copies back there. If you didn't pick up one last week, uh, there's pick one up today. It's on the Eucharist. There's 20 questions and then 20 answers to the questions on the Eucharist. The first chapter is very theological. Don't get turned away by it. But each chapter is about two, three, four, five pages. You could, in 20 days, get done with this book. Or if you're waiting for your car to get done like I was, you know, to get the oil changes and so forth, I read almost the whole book just by waiting for my car to get done. So um, be sure to, to take one of those home with you to learn about the Blessed Sacrament. Sometimes families will pass on jewelry. They'll pass on different rings, different necklaces and so forth. Something that's commonly passed on is, is a ring, particularly a marriage ring. I'm guessing some of you might have your grandma's marriage ring or great-grandma's marriage ring. Imagine for a moment that you have your great-grandma's diamond marriage ring. And you're a, a dad or a mom. You have the marriage ring in the safe because you want to keep it protected. But every now and then you'll pull it out and you'll tell your kids about this ring. You tell how precious the ring is. You explain the diamond. You see all the, the shiny parts of it. You explain that it's made out of gold. And you teach your child that this is your great-grandma's marriage ring. And it's very precious. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Then you put it back away again. And you bring it out again sometime later. You keep bringing it out. And you teach your kids how valuable this ring is. That's a very good thing to do because you don't want your kids to forget the valuableness of the ring. You don't want them just to sell it at some you know, auction somewhere. The more your children hear about this ring, the more they know the value of it because they're being preached to, they're being talked to about the value of it. Parents, I want to encourage you to also talk to you your kids about the value of this great sacrament. Because what these kids are receiving today, and which many of many others of us are also receiving, is the one who created the diamond and grandma's diamond ring, the one who created the gold that that ring is made out of. You're going to receive God today. You're going to receive Jesus. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited as you come with your parents, as you come with grandparents, other family. It's a great day. But today's not the last day you get to receive Holy Communion. Today's the first day. So always prepare your hearts. I always prepare your hearts to receive this great sacrament. I'm going to close with, with um, another passage. So, so we know very clearly that it's truly Jesus that we're, that we're receiving when we approach Holy Communion. 
There are more than 20 passages in Scripture by five different authors who explain that it's truly Jesus. Not once does Jesus ever say this is only symbolic. In fact, when people uh, think that it is you know, too hard to believe, and they all walk away, as we just heard today in the, in the Gospel reading from John chapter 6, Jesus doesn't stop them. He lets them walk away. If I was the devil, you know what I would do? I would try to get people to not believe the Blessed Sacrament is Jesus. I would convince Christians that the one who comes to us on this sacred altar is just bread, just wine, oh, no big deal. And then over time, if I was the devil, priests and churches wouldn't even have it. If we look at the Christian denominations that go further and further away from the Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church, you come to church and all you hear is a homily and sing some music. Maybe hear from a bit of scripture. But the closer you get to the Catholic Church, you'll find that they'll have what's called Holy Communion. But in order for it to be Holy Communion, you need a priest. You need a priest. So if I was the devil, I would attack the Holy Eucharist. Because I know when you draw close to the Holy Eucharist, when you draw close to Mass, you're protected. You have life. That's what I would do if I was the devil. But I'm not. So I'm preaching about how good the Blessed Sacrament is, how good Jesus is. That we might love Him and that we might go to heaven. One thing that the devil will also try to get us to do is to do what he got Judas to do, to betray Jesus. Right before Jesus died, three days before he rose again, turned back alive, he was in this garden called the Garden of Olives. He was there praying, praying a lot, and one of Jesus' closest friends, Judas, brought all the soldiers and the scribes and the Pharisees there to Jesus, and he came up to Jesus and he kissed Jesus on the cheek. It wasn't a kiss of love. It was a kiss of betrayal. It was the sign that he had given to the soldiers that this is the man you need to arrest and kill him. This is the guy. When we approach Holy Communion, folks, we must examine ourselves. We must prepare our hearts. The second reading that we heard today from St. Paul to the Corinthians, right after this passage, St. Paul says, before you approach Holy Communion, be sure to examine yourselves. Make sure that you're ready. Make sure that your hearts are ready. The three of you boys, the six girl, three um, girls there, all six of you, pray for the grace that you may always receive Jesus worthily in Holy Communion. Pray for that grace that you may never, ever come to Jesus with the kiss of Judas, the kiss of betrayal, that you may love him abundantly, that you may love Jesus abundantly. Pray for that grace, okay? And adults, I, I want to encourage you to do the same. Never approach this great sacrament of Holy Communion if you're in the state of mortal sin. Don't be embarrassed if you, you come up and you have to cross your arms and receive a blessing. Don't be embarrassed about that. The fact that you're here, that you've come to Mass, Jesus is so delighted because he wants to bestow his grace upon you. He wants to fill you with life and goodness. So folks, let's, let's pray for the grace to love Jesus with our whole hearts. At this Mass, pray for these six kids.